angels and demons, mythology and religion, heroes and monsters. These are the stories we create, the beings we fear and yet long to be. My name is Raven Burns Kushner, Wiccan artist and life coach. On this channel, I analyze our stories, gleaning the spiritual principles that help us live more successfully. I explore the darkness and the light, as both are important. And don't be afraid, unless of course that excites you. <laughs> All right, so I am really looking forward to talking about this series. I've been looking forward to it for weeks now. I reviewed the movie a few weeks ago, and ever since then, I've really been anticipating getting to watch the series. So all of the episodes are out. I believe there are six. I'm just going to be doing them one at a time. Um, so this is just the first episode. Um, but before I get into that, I do want to let you know that there are going to be spoilers, like spoilers galore. So if you haven't seen it yet, go check it out. In fact, binge watch it if you want, because I'm going to be, I think I'm going to do them one at a time. We'll see. I'm definitely just going to do this first episode. And then depending upon how the rest of them go, I will either put them together or just do them one at a time. We'll see. It depends on how dense each one is. Um, but before I get into that, I did want to talk about my art show that took place last weekend. Um, two pieces from the interview with the vampire series placed in their category. So that was very exciting. I'll put those on the screen. So Immortal Beloved took second place in mixed media and Infatuated took third. So it's very exciting. So if you have any interest in that, check that out. Mother's Day is coming. So if you have a weird mother who likes vampires like I do, uh, check that out and maybe it'd be a wonderful gift. All right, so let's get into the series. So the series Dead Ringers is on Amazon Prime and it's starring Rachel Weiss. I did look up her name <laughs> since last time. I did not know how to pronounce it. It's Weiss. Apparently it is a Hungarian name or of Hungarian origin. So it's Rachel Weiss. So anyway, she stars in the series, which is an adaptation of the movie, which is an adaptation of the book, The Twins. So the plot is pretty much um, like the movie. They're both OBGYNs. They are twins, obviously, and they live and work together. The difference is the, the main thing driving the plot in the series is the fact that they want to open up a birthing center. So they are OBGYNs now working for a hospital, but they are really frustrated by the protocols and procedures of the hospital. So they want to open their own thing and they need the money to do so. So that is the main thing driving the plot forward. The twins have divergent um, reasons or motivations for wanting the birthing center. Um, and the characters have remained the same in the sense that Ellie is kind of the more outgoing one and then Bev is the more reserved one. Um, but in this case, the reason why they want to open up the birthing center, Bev wants to do it because she has a heart for women and she's very dismayed at how women are treated in the hospital um, when it comes to giving birth. You know, all the procedures and protocols are things that work against the women and she's really frustrated by that. 
Ellie's motivation is more the lab, the lab, the lab, the lab. She's kind of this young Frankenstein <laughs> figure who wants to just be set free to do whatever she wants um, and really kind of drive the whole industry forward. And she has all these fantasies about what she's going to be able to do in terms of like uh, treating infertility and things of that nature and helping women like choose their their uh, the sex of their baby the eye color the you know time of delivery everything she has this vis grand vision of what she's going to be able to do with her research so for ellie it's research for bev it's the women but their goal mutual goal is to open up this birthing center together the characters have more or less remained the same like i said ellie is the more outgoing one bev is the more reserved one the difference being, I think, um, in the movie, Ellie was, he was outgoing, but he was more like the charismatic one. He's the one that you would put forward. In the movie, he was the one um, giving the acceptance speech for the award that they won for their innovations. Um, this Ellie is the more outgoing one, but she is crazed. <laughs> She's She's a lot, she's not charismatic. She has this annoying tendency to laugh at really inappropriate times. And no one seems to call her out on this. I guess they're used to it. Uh, we as the audience are not used to it. So I'm thinking, what's wrong with this woman? So she's, so they've, they've changed that a little bit. They, they do introduce both of their versions of crazy pretty early on. So... Like I said, Ellie comes across as not so much charismatic, but unhinged. Her version of crazy is she is extreme. Like she sleeps with random men whose names she doesn't even remember. She snorts Coke. Um, and again, no one calls this out, least of all her sisters. So apparently this has been going on for quite some time. Um, she says inappropriate things, does inappropriate things. Um, and she doesn't seem to care. So Bev is again, the reserved one, but her crazy also comes out right away. There's this cool scene cinematography wise, cinematography wise where she's sitting on the toilet and this is early on, um, like probably like the second scene or so. And the way it's shot, it looks like she's sitting across from somebody like her, her own image, but it's not clear at first that it is her own image. So it almost looks like her sister is sitting across from her. I thought that was really intelligent and well done. But in, in any case, she's sitting on the toilet because she's having a miscarriage. And, you know, that's obviously a very traumatic thing, but we see her crazy because we see her because she's having, she sees the blood, she's having a miscarriage. She reaches into the toilet, fishes out the unborn fetus, holds it into the palm of her hand, smiles at it and says, hello. Oh, and they're also both British in this one too. <laughs> so, so yeah, so we're, we're dealing with people who are not all together there and it's obvious really quickly in the series. Um, I liked the way they handled the whole, um, their relationship to OBGYN. So in the movie, it was more like, okay, th these men are for whatever reason interested in this field. As the, as women, we see that their relationship to OBGYN is, as I said further before, um, Ellie is really interested in the whole, you know, science of it. And then Bev is really interested in helping women. Their dependency issues are similar in the movie. Bev is dependent upon um, Ellie, and we see that in their dating life. 
if you can call it that, where they're sharing women. And I was really curious to see how on earth are they going to do that because women don't do such things and, and even men really don't usually do things like that. So I was really curious as to how they were going to handle it. So what they have is Ellie getting women for Bev because Bev is a lesbian in, in the series. And I, I guess she's too shy to come up to women on her own. So Ellie has this habit of getting women for her. And so, so it's a similar dependency issue, but there's another layer of the dependency beyond just dating partners for Bev. Bev also really wants to have a child for whatever reason. And I say for whatever reason, because of her age. <laughs> I mean, Rachel Vice is 50 something. So that, you know, that ship has sailed, but I don't know how old she's supposed to be in the show, but given her age and given that she has no partner and given their lifestyle, which is extraordinarily stressful, they are always working. So I'm not sure how she, and they're about to open a birthing center. At least that's their goal. So I'm not sure how a baby fits into this plan, but it's clear that she's had this plan for a long time and she's been trying for a long time and failing for a long time. So Ellie basically sees it as her mission to get her sister pregnant. So we see that level of dependency as well, which is a divergence obviously from the movie. Um, the love interest, I, I liked the way they did the love interest in the series because in the movie, and I also thought the names were clever. So in the movie, the love interest name is Claire, played by an actress whose first name was Genevieve. <laughs> In the series, that character is named Genevieve. So I thought that was smart. This Genevieve is, to me, way better than the movie's Genevieve because this Genevieve, she's not unhinged the way the previous, the movie Genevieve was, I mean, the movie <laughs> Claire was. In the movie, she's an actress and kind of falls into all the stereotypes of a typical actress. She's very dramatic. She has her heart way on her sleeve, like not just on her sleeve, but like all over the place, her heart is, <laughs> but she's sweet, you know? And so this, this character, Genevieve is also very sweet, but she's more normal. And what's interesting is in the movie, um, this love interest is a disruption because in the movie, she disrupts the normal pattern of Ellie and uh, Bev sharing sex partners. In the series, the disruption is the fact that this love interest, Genevieve, comes in for infertility issues, just like the movie love interest. But Genevieve is different because she and, and Bev have the opportunity to bond over the fact that they're both struggling with infertility. So I thought that was a really interesting thing. So that is going to be the disruption because it's going to disrupt the dependency that Bev has on Ellie to get her pregnant um, via artificial insemination. And also, just like in the movie, Ellie is used to this game of getting women for Bev and Bev never having a long-term relationship. But it's clear that Bev really likes Genevieve and plans to see her again. So there's that disruption, which is the same as in the movie, but I like that they had that other layer of Genevieve and Bev have the opportunity to bond over something real. In the movie, Bev just transfers his dependence from Ellie over to Claire. 
so he's still dependent, but he just shifts it from one to the other. I feel like in the series, Bev has the opportunity to break free of her dependency on Ellie, because if they can bond over this mutual, you know, infertility struggle, they might be able to put their heads together and just come up with a reasonable solution. Like, Hey, let's get together. Let's have a real relationship and maybe let's have a baby together, maybe through adoption or something like that. So she has the opportunity to have a more normal life. And that is the main disruption. So I'm really curious as to where they're going to take this. And I've only seen the first episode, so I genuinely don't know where they're going to go with it. But I, I like, I like the way they've set it up. What's working? All right. So I think there's a lot of things working. I did very much enjoy the first episode. Um, I, I mentioned the cinema, cinematography. In addition to that one scene where Bev is on the toilet and there's that weird, like, is this her reflection or is this her twin? I love that. But there's another one where um, Ellie and Bev are laying kind of like, they're just kind of like, they're not going to sleep, but they're sort of just like crashed on the bed. And I think Bev is facing up and then Ellie is facing towards her. But the way the camera shows them, it's like their faces meld into one face. And it was really weird the way they, they did it. And both women have scenes with love interests where they mention the person's face. Bev says to Genevieve, you have a heavenly face. And Ellie says something similar to the rando that she's just slept with saying that he's got a wonderful face. So they're really playing with this idea of faces as some sort of metaphor. And I, I like it. I think it's very intelligent and, and thoughtful. Um, I think the way they've transferred the issue of misogyny was really, really intelligent as well, because that was a key underlying pathology of, of the men in Dead Ringers, the movie, is their whole sort of unconscious misogyny and the fact that they're responsible for women's, you know, sexual health and well-being while they have these, you know, this perverted kind of private life, um, and then a, a general lack of concern for the women's well-being and health. And so I was curious as to how they were going to deal with that with women doctors. But what they've done is they've just sort of transferred the misogyny away from the characters and onto society as a whole as seen through the hospital procedures. So they're sort of up against this, you know, bureaucracy that they, they're sick of dealing with and they want to strike out on their own. So I, I thought that was very intelligent. It also is a wonderful way to bring other characters in because they have this sort of ongoing, because that's all the whole thing with the series, right? How do you keep it going? So I think them having this mission of a birthing center is really ripe for bringing other characters in and potentially extending the show out for however long it lasts. Um, the dialogue, the acting, the cinematography, and especially the editing. And I am a lay person. I know nothing about editing film, but it looks like it would be really complicated to edit a film where the main character is, is two, you know, is one person. The two main characters are one person and the dialogue is quick and, you know, the editing is flawless. The cinematography is very dark, um, but it's, it's beautiful and it's like, seductive. So I'm, I'm very impressed with the optics so far. Another thing I thought they did really well 
because I love subtlety in any story, movies, series, books, whatever. I hate it when things are super blatant. And they did a good job with the subtle racism that goes on in hospitals. And it really, if you're not familiar, was really and is still a thing. But certainly in the past, it was a real thing where, you know, First of all, they didn't even allow black people in a lot of hospitals. So imagine the number of people who either passed away or had to find some other like home remedy to fix their ailments. But even in modern times, like I know there's stories in my family of of someone who is heavily suspected that racism was the cause of their passing, just neglect, you know, complete and total neglect. And we see that in um, the first episode where Sandra, you know, the Russells, Sandra's the, the mother, is she ends up dying because they've just been ignored. You know, the doctor came, they told her, they told the doctor that she was experiencing, that Sandra was experiencing a great deal of pain. And the doctor kind of was like, yeah, well, you just had a C-section, you know, she doesn't care. And she disappears for a couple of hours, not until Bev steps in. And you see it's more of a competitive rivalry, like the other doctor doesn't want Bev stepping in because Bev does actually care. Um, but we see this other doctor, well, I got it, I got it, I got it. And nothing happens. They order a CAT scan again at Bev's suggestion, but nothing ever gets done. And they don't like make a big deal about it in terms of this is racism, you know, blah, blah, blah. They don't make some weird speech. It's embarrassing. They let it just be there where it's like clear that that's probably why they were neglected. They just didn't matter to this doctor. Um, and to the hospital at large. And I thought that was handled really, really subtly, but powerfully. So I was impressed with that. Red flags. <laughs> okay. So it's not all perfect. There are some things that they, they aren't wrong, but I'm concerned that they could become a problem going forward. So I'll start with the most minor one first, the class conflicts. So this is not a big deal. This, this features in a lot of shows where wealthy people are depicted as evil, you know, um, as, as bad, as, as, you know, totally non-empathetic. And so we see that in the show. So it's almost like they make an excuse for Ellie and Bev because clearly they're well off. I mean, they're both OBGYNs and they share an apartment, so they have money but they don't, they're not uber wealthy. They're, they're very comfortable wealthy and they're living in New York. So, you know, money doesn't go as far, <laughs> but still, I mean, obviously they have money, but we see them being generous. So like they encounter a homeless woman sitting um, by a building and Ellie is searching in her bag for something to give her. And she doesn't, apparently doesn't have any like change or small bills. So she just takes off her sunglasses and gives them to the woman. And you know, it's obviously they're expensive sunglasses because she then takes them from her sister. <laughs> but in any case, we see her being generous, right? With her wealth. Contrast that with Laura, who's the most obnoxious person in the whole first episode, I would argue. She's this wealthy woman who's hired a surrogate she cares nothing for this surrogate. And the surrogate just goes along with this as, as, as if this is okay. This rankles Bev to the hill. She, she hates this, but she sort of has to go along with it because, you know, Laura is the one, she's not really the patient, but she's behaving in an entitled fashion as if she's the patient. And Bev is trying to advocate for the surrogate. The surrogate is not really advocating for herself. 
So we see sort of this rich woman as contrasted with this young, you know, poor woman who obviously has to do this, you know, kind of hire out her body for money. She's horrible and obnoxious and nasty. Um, and then we see that the woman that they want to petition for money to open the birthing center, this wealthy woman named Rebecca, she is repeatedly referred to as a monster, responsible for multiple deaths, horrible person. We don't actually see her being horrible. We see the meeting with um, this wealthy woman, Rebecca, Rebecca's wife and um, Ellie, Bev, and their um, partner, Joseph, sitting at dinner talking about the logistics of this you know, investment that they want Rebecca to make. So to me, Rebecca just comes off as a very confident, business savvy woman who doesn't take a lot of shit. Um, I don't know what she's done. They haven't informed us of what she's done that's so evil, but she doesn't come across as a bad person. However, they, they've led us to believe that she is evil. So the reason why I have a problem with it is because I don't want them to fall into cliches and stereotypes. Like every show depicts wealthy people as evil. So that's hardly groundbreaking territory. So I hope they don't push that too hard because it's tired. You know, I don't have, I'm not standing up for rich people. I don't care about that. I just care about the story. So I'm hoping that they don't screw it up with a bunch of, of you know, posturing and like preaching. And that is my other concern is I like that it's got this feminist twist. However, <laughs> same issue. I am always concerned when I feel like anything, any piece of art, whether it's a painting, a show, a movie, you know, anything, if they're trying to preach too much, then the story is going to suffer. So a, a few things, they seem to really want to drive home the kind of sexism, which I don't think is necessary because we already see the need for the birthing center. So I don't feel like they need to um, push anything further with, we get it, you know, that, that sexism and misogyny is still an issue. But there's a few examples, I think, where they, they do push it, like Joe, which I mentioned, who was at the investor meeting, he's treated like a buffoon, you know, he's kind of just the, I don't know, even sure why he's there. <laughs> he's told to shut up, Rebecca tells him to shut up. Um, in the opening scene, we see that the women are, are hit on by this, this, this fool in the next booth at the restaurant where he's trying to have a menage a trois with these twins and he's being gross. And it's very kind of satisfying how resoundingly they tell him off, but they tell him off so resoundingly, like they mop the floor with his head, you know, verbally. <laughs> and you almost almost feel sorry for him because he is just belittled. Um, so it's satisfying, but at the same time, it's like, okay, let's not go too far because then it's going to air in that other direction. And then there's some offhanded comments too. Like, um, at one point, uh, Bev mentions, well, the, the scenario is that Joe is trying to, you know, entice them to see this investor because they're having sort of doubts. And Joe says, well, Rebecca really likes smart women. And then Ellie says, oh, who doesn't? And then Bev says, well, men and most women. So it's like that comment wasn't really necessary. And it doesn't even seem like something Bev would necessarily need to say, but 
it is more, it felt like the show driving home. This is feminist. This is feminist. It's like, okay, okay. Like, I'm glad it's feminist, but let's not, let's not beat it to death. Um, so I'm a little worried about that. I don't want it to just be preachy. So we'll see what happens. The last thing is the ending. I thought the ending was jarring. I don't mind what happened. Um, it ends with Bev in a support group talking about the death of her twin <laughs> sister. Uh, you know, so we don't know what that is because it's all of a sudden it just shows that there's no link between what we just saw and that. So my guess is that it could either have been from the past, maybe her acting out a fantasy, like what would life be if I didn't have this, you know, link to my twin, this oppressive link. Um, so she might have just been play acting sort of, and that could, or it could be a future event where she does this, or maybe it's a future event and something actually happens to Ellie. I don't know yet, but it just came out of the blue. And then it ends with what we presume to be Ellie screaming. And my thought was that that was, you know, following the previous scene, you know, not counting the support group scene, but when they were at the restaurant and Bev is breaking the news to Ellie that I actually like Genevieve and I don't want you to get any more women for me. And you can tell she's pissed off, but she doesn't say anything. And then we see her screaming. So that felt like it followed the previous, the previous, previous scene. But the one that came before where Bev is in the support group, that was out of nowhere. It was good as a cliffhanger but it just felt like it just wrapped up. Like they're at the restaurant talking about, okay, she, she likes Genevieve and wants to see her again. And it was kind of a calm scene. And then we jumped to support group and we jumped to screaming and then it's, it's gone. So I don't know <laughs> if all of the endings are going to be like this, or if that was just for the pilot. So we'll see. So that was clunky and everything else had been handled in my opinion so elegantly. So to be very elegant and then to like toss a bomb at the end seemed a little strange. Maybe they want to do it that way. I don't know. So we'll see how it goes. Um, the graphic nature of the show was really just kind of compacted into one part. There's a montage of super graphic birthing scenes like, wow, and I've given birth and it was a lot for me. C-sections and vaginal birth, lots of screaming. <laughs> so if you're squeamish, you know, blood splashing on the floor. So if you're squeamish, that's really, the, you can fast forward through that because it's really just a montage. You don't actually need any of that. Um, it, it didn't bother me enough to fast forward through it. But if you're squeamish, you can do that and not miss anything. <laughs> So, anywho, I will cover the next episode or more than one. We'll see how it goes. Um, but I'm going to continue the series until it's done because I like it enough to keep going. So we will see what they do. All right. Well, that's it for today. Again, check out those paintings on the website in the gallery section. And until next time, have a beautiful day. See you then. Bye-bye. So that's all I have for you today. I hope you did enjoy today's discussion. Visit paintselflove.com to book a coaching appointment or to buy some inspirational art. Until next time, love yourself and love yourself well. Blessed be.